I'm Emma, so nice to see so many of you here this evening. Welcome to this BAFTA Masterclass, all about the secrets of live TV. We have a fabulous panel between them. We were calling them the rat pack of, of uh, behind the scenes telly. Uh, they know everything there is to know. So it's going to be a really insightful, interesting conversation. You'll have a chance to answer, to ask even questions later, which these guys will do their best to answer, I'm sure, very well. Um, yeah, so this event is supported by Harman Professional Solutions, as we heard. Uh, and obviously, all these big shows on telly, Strictly Britain's Got Talent, it's very easy to kind of get wrapped up in them without thinking about all the magical stuff that happens behind the scenes. So that's what we're going to be talking about this evening. I'm very excited to have such a knowledgeable panel. Here I have Richard Valentine. He's a BAFTA-winning multi-camera director who's worked on the Strictly Come Dancing launch show, 8 Out of 10 Cats, Sound of Music Live, One Love Manchester. Next to him, I have Patrick Doherty, a production designer whose credits include Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway, The Grand Tour, Strictly Come Dancing, uh, and Big Stars Little Star. Uh, next to him, we have Nigel Saunders, camera supervisor, and he's worked on everything from Pointless, Nevermind the Buzzcocks, Eurovision, Party in the Palace, lots of exciting stuff. Uh, and on the end there, we have Will Charles, a lighting director whose work includes Mocks a Week, Britain's Got More Talent, Weakest Link, all sorts of things. Thanks for being here. Please welcome our panel. So I'm aware some people in the room will know exactly what each of you do. Some people only have a very vague idea. So I wanted to start by just each of you just giving a little precy of what it is that your job involves, Richard. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, well, I've been directing multi-camera for about 21 years now, so uh, lots of experience behind. And my job, I suppose, is to, uh, especially when you get to the studio, is coordinate everything that's going on. And then what you see on the screen is, I suppose it's my responsibility, but I don't always look at it like that. I think it's everybody's responsibility, but of course the director is the one that says, cue the band or cue this, and everything happens. Um, I, I rely very much on the, the team that's around me. I suppose like any job, 90% uh, of what we do is done by these guys and others. And if it's good, it makes me look good. If it's not so good, you know, I don't get asked back. Um, but yes, I, I, you know, I've worked very closely with these guys. Um, and uh, also, um, as part of my team is a script supervisor who's all important on any show, because as I think we're going to touch on later, the role they play. And uh, yes, I love my job. I, I love it just as much as I did 21 years ago, and probably even more so, because I feel a bit more relaxed and comfortable with it. So if that will do for now. Yeah, Patrick. Uh, hi, I'm Patrick. Um, I'm a production designer in television. So my responsibility, I suppose, is to create the visual world that the show uh, lands in and uh, to create a sort of a visual identity. And that's very much based on the format of the show and to work out how the format of the show works and how I then interpret that format and visually represent it on screen in a nutshell. I'm Nigel, as camera supervisor, I would get a phone call from a director or a production manager, and then I would be responsible for putting together a crew of camera operators, liaising with the director on the camera plan, what equipment we need, what sort of lens, which lenses we need, um, and putting that team together, and then when we get to the studio, um, deciding who's gonna do which camera, and being the first point of contact for the director um, as a point of contact for lighting, design, sound, to liaise so that we can get all these elements together. And so I just look after my camera team and we work to the director. Fantastic. Uh, hello, I'm Will Charles. I'm a lighting director. And um, I think as uh, my colleagues have said, it's, um, it's really all about teamwork. Um, when I get involved, um, I work with um, a designer uh, to take his concept and actually um, put the lighting on to, so that his design uh, comes together with what the production require. Uh, and so that it works with Nigel and his cameras. So it brings a whole team work together. Again, I put a team together um, of electricians and um, operators um, to uh, produce uh, the lighting design and to make it work so that it actually looks great when it gets to your TV at home. And we're here to talk about live TV, and you guys have got all sorts of experience in different areas, but why is live TV such an exciting medium for you guys to work in? Um, I, from my point of view, you don't have to do it again. <laughs> you know, you, you have one chance and you have to get it right. You know, if you're on air at 8 o'clock, you have to go on air at 8, 8 o'clock till 9. And it's just got to happen. And that's, yet again, it's down to the experience and uh, to, to everybody who works on it. 
Uh, and it's, it is exciting. You know, you do, the butterflies do get uh, in the hairs and the back of your neck do stand up when you do live shows. Uh, but it's a, it's a great thing to be part of. I, you know, I like doing recorded shows, but it's just not quite the same buzz as doing a live show. Yeah, it, it is, it, the, doing a live TV show is, is completely different because you, you, you only have one attempt at it. So you rehearse throughout the day, you see all the mistakes that happen throughout the day, and they are numerous. And you pray that by the time it comes to the time where we're on air, everything will come together. And in the 20-odd in the, in the year, years that I've been doing it, it does all come together. It's an extraordinary mercurial uh, event where all the talents, as the, all the guys on the, on the panel have said, come, all come to a point where, they, where it hits a live transmission and everybody does their job. And it is an extraordinary thing to be a witness of and be part of, I think, when you see it, when you're in a gallery or when you're on the floor and you, you deliver you know, an hour and 20 minutes or two hours or an hour, you know, whatever it might be, um, seamlessly. It, it really is extraordinary. It, it, it's the most great buzz that you can ever get. It's brilliant fun. And even the, the artists who are in front of us are giving a performance. In some ways, we're giving a performance as well. We've got one opportunity to get it right. On a rehearsed show, we have rehearsed shots. We know what we want to achieve when. We know that there are tricky shots in there. And we have got to nail those shots. And we've got that one chance. We can't just say, oh, please, can we do that again? That's it. You've just got one chance. So there is a pressure, but it makes a real excitement and a buzz in the studio with a live show. And Will, what kind of person do you think you need to be to work in live telly? What kind of, just be patient? <laughs> well, ideally you need to be as calm as Richard Valentine, but <laughs> none of us are, basically. He's the, he's the master. Um, yeah, okay, it's, it's good to be calm if you... If, uh, but that, that sort of comes, I guess, with experience. Um, everybody's incredibly nervous when they start. Um, and, um, and the more you do, the more you relax into it. But as Richard says, I still get you know, the hairs on the back of my uh, neck going up when you get opening titles running in and um, on something like Children Need, which I do every year, um, you've got seven hours of live television in front of you and you've rehearsed all those bits completely out of sequence over three or four days. So you might have seen something from a musical on Wednesday and the next time you see it is on air on Friday night at 10 o'clock in, in the evening when you're three hours in. Um, uh, there's nothing like that excitement. It's 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 fun. It's fun. It is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And we, we're going to see some clips throughout this evening, which is exciting. And in a minute, we're going to see something from the Strictly Come Dancing launch show, which you worked on, Richard. How much planning and preparation goes into something like that? A uh, uh, huge. Uh, with the, the producers, obviously, gets involved, you know, months in advance of it, and they come up with a concept of what they want. And I think the first person they really speak to is Patrick because especially with the, uh, the red carpet, as we call it, which has been done outside of Broadcasting House for the last couple of years, uh, which looks fantastic, you know, that's, that's got to have a, a unique look. And obviously, when you go to the studio, it's the same set, but of course, it's what Patrick puts within that and what the production want. Uh, so there's a lot of collaboration between the, the production and Patrick, uh, the director, and, you know, all the, all the other crafts, lighting, uh, and, um, you know, vis effects and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, this, it's just a big collaborative. Yeah, so, so on the launch show, the, the clip you're going to see, we had uh, designed fully the backdrop of the NBH, which is the broadcasting house exterior bit. So there's two parts to the show. One is the re recorded where all the celebrities get revealed, and then the second part is when it comes into studio. The first part was completely designed, and then the producers saw a clip of something that they really loved and they came back and went we really love this and I loved it I thought it was better than what we'd actually done so we completely changed it and that was done we were starting work on this two months ahead of the show it was changed probably about six weeks in maybe a month in so we'd already spent a month looking at stuff and then a month we changed it completely redesigned it came back with a new solution they loved it we went to manufacturers, we started building the set, and then uh, and that's the thing that you see on the, on the clip. So things change, and the other thing about live television is it, it will change, and if you have a, you know, if you have an idea that's better, then you go with it. You and seem very zen about that. I think I'd be quite cross. 
Well, I loved the second idea. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought it was fantastic. And I think, you know, interestingly, we, it was the direction that we wanted the show to go in terms of uh, the style and the, and the feel. It wanted to feel younger and a bit more sexy. So I actually think that the, the, the second idea was a better idea. So, you well, know, I'm, I'm up for that. You know? let's have Just to say, though, yeah. there's a, you know, a big part of TV and what we do is change. There's always mm. change on every show. And you've just got to go with it. You can't be negative and say, oh, well, I can't do that. You know, you've got to be positive and move forward because obviously you're working for the producers uh, and you want to continue working for them. So you have to be positive about it all. And we're so used to change right up to maybe half an hour before going on stage, on, on, on air. Uh, you know, you've just got to deal with it. And with the experience that most people have, you sort of get through it. Okay. And mistakes are made, but probably not noticeable ones. Let's have a look at this clip if we can. So there's a lot going on there, Antoine and Glitterball, uh, people going upstairs, a seamless transition from outside to inside. When you're watching that back, are you thinking of all the decisions you made and what's sort of the biggest challenge there? Uh, so uh, because it's a recorded program, the launch show, mm. and I just do the launch show, um, the outside bit, I, I do four parts. I have, um, I think, seven cameras outside and I do four passes of it because I just want to make it more exciting. It's nothing that I can, which we're going to get onto scripting later, mm -hmm. I know. So I just do it to get the best out of it and then it mm -hmm. goes into an edit and to, to make it a little bit more exciting. And then obviously the stuff in the studio is all scripted. Mm -hmm. uh, so we know exactly what's going to happen at what point. And the way it's processed, the, the choreographer and production, they rehearse these group numbers a month or so in advance. And eventually I will get a tape of that and I look at that and then I script the shots that I think will work on it. Uh, and then hopefully it all comes together and through rehearsals, of course, you change things and tweak things. And then maybe the choreographer will, will want to have a say in what things look like, which is fair enough because it's their, it's their work. Um, and the challenges on that, it's trying to get it all done in a day is the mm. biggest challenge, actually, um, wouldn't you say? Trying to record it late at night. Mm. So we have to work to a press release on, on the... On the with celebrities that get revealed. And that press release governs the time we can film. And we are always pushing to try and get that film later because we want it darker. Because if you saw there, there was particularly on the launch on the bit that's in, in the new broadcasting house, it's, it's all screen. You know, it was it, last year we did uh, a sort of palm trees and it was a bit more romantic. This year it was much more uh, aggressive in terms of its, its screen content and it was all about how you see the screen content with the dancers. And uh, so we want it to be darker because we want it to be later at night because everything punches more in terms of its color, in terms of its lighting. So um, it, that was always a battle for us. We we're always trying to get it later. But yeah, it's, it's a, it was a, an interesting environment to work in that, that place. And you've all worked on these big juggernaut shows, Britain's Got Talent, X Factor, Strictly. How you've got to get that Saturday night gloss, but you also kind of want to update it a bit, but make it feel familiar. How many design decisions? Well, maybe you could take this kind of go um, into. Yes, just thinking about um, Britain's Got Talent um, mm. judges. Uh, last year they did a, a set change on that, and um, it was only an evolution of what had come before. But they wanted higher resolution screens at uh, the sides. But to uh, fit that into the budget, they had something else had to give. So that used to be a complete cross arch of. Um, of uh, video technology around. Um, so they actually um, got rid of the, the crossbar, so to speak, so that uh, the money would then go to getting higher resolution uh, uh, video screens at the sides. So then I had to fill the, uh, the crossbar, if you like, uh, area of the, cro of the cross arch with lighting so that it didn't look empty. Um, so that's a, an evolution of the same, I should think most people at home thought it was just Britain's Got Talent. It looked pretty much exactly the same, but we achieved an update uh, just by tweaking it, really. That actually is a really, it's, it's interesting if you look at something like Strictly, mm. or, or Britain's Got Talent, or, or X Factor, but Strictly that I know, that you know, we each year try to look at how we can improve and upgrade what is essentially a same set, but, mm. but by upgrading the content of the screen, we upgrade the graphics, and the graphic upgrade therefore translates onto the picture. And it, it's actually a very subtle, mm. but very important thing. And you, you want to continue to do that. It's really important. Mm. You know, this year we wanted to do a load of stuff that we couldn't afford to do. We're now looking at next year now, 
and thinking, well, where could we, where could we highlight stuff that will benefit? And all of those resolution upgrades on, on screen have a tremendous upgrade mm. on television screen. You know, it's a, it's a real interesting thing. Well, it is interesting because, for instance, you work on pointless, uh, Nigel, and people think, well, why do you need to change this set of pointless? It's lovely, it's cosy, I'm familiar with it. Um, but obviously you did well, a, a little bit. After 1,100 episodes, mm. we got rid of the set that mm. was designed for 30 episode pilot series. <laughs> so it lasted, it had done its time. And basically it was just some, some sails, some gauze covered metalwork um, that was lit by Tom Canan. Um, yes, it did do its job, but it needed updating. And we're in competition with shows like The Chase, which had got higher res screens. And um, so we just needed to, to update it. And, but you still got to keep the audience with you. They still want that famili familiarity of the show that they know and love. It's the same material in front, front of it but um, it has to move on. And I'm going to stick with you, Nigel, because we're going to talk about scripting next, because it's not just the actors following a script, it's all of you guys as well. And we have an absolutely fascinating Green Day performance clip coming up. Can you kind of set it up a little bit, what we're going to see in here? So what we're going to see is a rehearsal from the Jonathan Ross show of Green Day. So there are two ways of doing things. When I did, um, recently I did the Radio 2 Festival in a day, where we have eight hours of music there is no way we can, that can be all be scripted and we can rehearse it. So that's all wings. So the cameras know their roles and they just get on with the roles and the director will call things and the vision mixer will cut it. But other shows such as Strictly or Dancing with the Stars that Richard and I do out in Ireland and um, they are camera scripted. So Richard will have had uh, the VT or the clip of the dance routine and he will go through and he will allocate each shot to a camera and allocate a, a period of time. So we produce a camera script. So shot one will be on camera two, and it will last two bars. Shot two will be on camera four, and so on. So, that's, so Richard has written a shot description next to each shot, and that, from that, there is a yellow script um, produced, which the vision mixer will work to, and the PA will work to. And then each of the cameras will have a cards relevant to their shots. So they'll get camera cards, and they'll have shots one, shot seven, shot nine, and so and they'll write their pre-roll cues down um, so that every time you cut to a shot, it is moving. So what you're going to hear is the PA bar counting and shot calling in this clip of this Green Day rehearsal, and she will call the shot number first, followed by the camera that has got the next shot, and then if there is time, and you'll see why in a second, she will then carry on counting the bars through for the duration of that shot. It's a very, very fine art. Um, when people first hear it, it's very confusing, but we work to this every single day, and we know, we, we absolutely rely on this so that every shot is moving, um, and we know where we are, and the director gets their vision of their camera script on the screen. Fantastic, let's see it. Wow. It's like a whole other language. <laughs> so whether it's Strictly Come Dancing or X Factor or any scripted music show, that's what the camera crew are hearing. And how tricky is that, or is it easy and normal for you guys now? It's what we do for a living. Yeah, that's, yeah we're, we're used to it. It's, it's second nature mm. to the people who've been doing it a long time. I mean, the most important person is the lady you heard, is the script supervisor, who, who gets the music in advance and breaks it down with the lyrics into bars and beats, and then they, they give that to the director, and then you put all your shots on and try and determine what shots you do want at what time, how many bars, how many beats, whatever it might be. And then, of course, they end up talking for an hour. So it's a tough job, mm. but it's a, such a vital role. And they not only do they do that on a show, if it's a live show, they're also keeping an eye on the timings. So, you know, it's a very, very important uh, job, which we all rely on. Mm. And, and obviously, after that rehearsal, um, the director might want to change his shot. He might want to put it on a different camera. He doesn't want the drums for that. He wants the guitarist on the left. So we will have to note on our cards, the vision mixer will note that shot 25 has gone to camera six and it's not on camera four anymore. So shot changes will be gone through after that rehearsal. And sometimes you get camera notes before the show and sometimes on things like X Factor, the producers and the talent will have decided they want something different and you might completely change the scripting of a number and not see it before you actually do it. So well, that's how much interaction is there with the performer? What if they just decided to run around with their guitars or something? Uh, well, no, that definitely happens at times. You know, Robbie Williams is a good example. I've worked with him many times, and 
you sort of think he's just going to stand at the front of the stage and you script your shot accordingly, and then halfway through the number he's off. And, and then you sort of have to come off your script and just cover it as an as-directed piece until he maybe comes back to where you think it should be. But the artists, a lot of artists do have, not, not all of them, they do have a bit of a say in how they feel they should be shot as well. That's a big thing. I just worked with someone recently, uh, a few weeks ago, and she didn't like to be shot from this side at all. She's young, she's 26, beautiful from every angle, but it's a personal thing. And you would just say, OK? Yeah, you've just got to go with it, because uh, it is a recorded show. If they see it, they'll just ask you to take the shot out anyway. So it's just best to go with what they want. And that's it. There's quite a few like that, actually. And I, I think we've got a slide um, of a script just coming up. So this is what it actually looks like. So this is um, from uh, Harry Styles. Uh, We're going to see the clip in a minute. Yeah. And so that, that's how it ends up. After the script supervisor has given me the, the paperwork without all the, the shot lines in it, and then I work out how long I want to be on what camera. It's a bit like Nigel said, uh, what the shot is, is it moving? Um, and then, of course, uh, if it doesn't work on a rehearsal, which sometimes you only get one, uh, and I like to pride myself that a lot of the shots do work. On the, I'd say 90 90, 95% of shots work first time. Uh, and I think that's only through experience, not because I'm anything brilliant. I think it, most directors are the same. Uh, and, and so that's what um, the script supervisor is reading out, calling out, uh, and, uh, and that's what ends up on the telly. And you so, so there's a lot of, sorry, there's a lot of abbreviations in mm. the scripting. Yes. So ACC guitar, so that's an acoustic guitar shot for 25 there. 26 is an MCU Harry to a big wide shot. Um, so you have to learn all the different shot sizes and the descriptions. And what I did on, uh, you know, there's, there's the scripted music and there's the as-directed. Any concerts I do outside of a TV studio, on the whole, I as-direct them, just wing it on the day, because I think you have to be reactive to what's going on. You can't be too sort of stuck on what shot you feel, feel you might want when you're sitting in an office. And, um, uh, and, and on, on Harry's show... Um, I think he only rehearsed every number once. I think we only got one go at it, which is, you know, the norm, really. And uh, everything pretty much worked out. But I said to the crew before we started rehearsals uh, that although it's scripted, I want them... And a lot of the cameras were recorded separately as well, besides the line cut, because it was going into an edit. And I sort of uh, said to them that to try and treat it as much as possible, especially if they haven't actually got a shot and they're off shot, to treat it like an as-directed piece of work as well because sometimes when you're doing scripted the camera person is waiting there to do their shot if you're doing as directed they're a bit more arty about what they're trying to offer up and to try and get a mix of both and I think we sort of pulled it off on Harry I, that's what I think myself. well, let's have well it's one of the, uh, the you know the, the best things I feel I've done Fantastic. over the years musically uh, and a lovely set by Patrick as well fantastic let's have a look at that one into <laughs> Fantastic. We're going to move now out of the studio onto big music events like Eurovision, Glastonbury. I'm going to talk about One Love Manchester to start with. Richard, you worked on this. Very specific atmosphere for that concert. And you've got a big live audience there, a very emotional time, and you've also got to capture what's going on and, and the crowd and what's on stage. When you started that, what, was, what were you kind of thinking about? Well, because of the tragedy that why the, you know, the reason the concert came about, um, it was a six day setup from start to finish. So, you know, we had six days and the event team and, and everybody else to get this uh, ready for the transmission on was it a Sunday, Saturday, I can't quite remember now. Um, and so it had a lot of headaches to start with, just trying to make sure it's gonna work in the first place. But of course, because of what, why we were there, I was, I was quite keen that, um, you know, I wanted to show the emotion, but I didn't want to show too much upset because I, I don't think that would have been right to be intrusive of people who were... And there were people in the audience because a lot of people in the crowd that night were at the concert two weeks before. So there was a lot of upset. So, but you wanted to see the emotion because you wanted to portray that a bit to people at home, but you didn't want to intrude too much. And I think, I think we got the balance right on that. Um, you know, it was... Uh, it, it was I say a great evening for the people of Manchester, and I think they all loved it. Um, as I say, it took six days to set up, no rehearsal, all winged. You know, I just did the shots as we went along, um, 
uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult thing to get right, but I think we achieved it. Let's have a look at a clip. Yeah. Yeah. It's very moving. Um, we talked about how you decided where to put the cameras and where to focus. How much also does the live editing and vision mixing come into this part of the process? Um, well, because it's an as-directed show, as I said, like most of the concerts, I'd say all the concerts, it's all as-directed, so you make it up. You know, you obviously have a good team of camera ops on and a vision mixer, yet again, all important, and script supervisor, although they, they don't break it down into scripted music, they race-read, so they'll know when a guitar solo is coming up or a drum's coming or if a back BV is coming, backing vocalist is coming in, and the cameras are all listening. They have sort of roles to do, but they're listening out to what might be coming up and they'll point their camera at the guitar and we'll hopefully we'll cut to it. But it's a, it's a big understanding between the, the, the three, well, the, the, uh, the script supervisor, the vision mixer and the camera team. They have to work as one and if they do that, then we come out with some brilliant stuff. Uh, just on that concert, uh, all concerts really, sometimes, as that one did, it starts in daylight and daylight on concerts doesn't really look very good because you see everything you shouldn't be seeing, but as soon as the lighting comes into play, it makes a huge difference to what you're doing. And I, you've worked on Eurovision, is that right? Yes. And yeah. Party in the, at the Palace. Yeah. Is, this, is it a very similar process, whatever the event? Or? It is. As, as Richard says, the, the daylight part of the concert is you can see cables and you can see all sorts of mess, but... One of my favourite moments of the 2012 um, party at the front of the palace where they built a stage around the Queen Victoria Memorial at the front of the palace was um, at a point where we're looking westward and in the sky was this incredible mackerel sky and Shirley Bassey, Dame Shirley Bassey standing on the stage in this sparkly white dress and that image was just amazing as, on the, as, as that was on the, when it's on the blink. It's just going from daylight into evening. It's, it's a really magical visual time. And is it difficult to get the lighting right for the audience there and the audience at home, or does it tend to, to work well? well? Um, with the daylight, you, you, you are in God's hands, you really are. Um, in fact, um, uh, I did um, the proms party in the park up in Glasgow um, about a month ago, and um, when we rehearsed about an hour to go to going live, uh, the sun was setting and coming straight into the stage, and um, it was absolutely blinding. Uh, and we were where the um, director had <coughs> the presenters back to the crowd because he wanted to look past the uh, presenter to the crowd beyond. And the sun was just going down right in the back of shot. And uh, I was piling light in so that you could see that it, it wasn't just a silhouette standing there. Uh, but luckily, in that hour, suddenly a nice black cloud came along and masked out the sun. <laughs> and uh, we had the golden hour, you know, the, the beautiful uh, sunset. Um, and the lovely deep blue sky, and they look beautiful. But there are times that, yeah, the gods of lighting have to be on your side, yeah. And another thing about live TV, you talk about the unpredictable nature of weather, but the unpredictable nature of the presenters and that kind of thing as well. We're going to start by talking about good kind of anarchy on things like Britain's Got More Talent. I think maybe we'll see a clip of this first and then we'll talk about it, if that's okay. So, well, you, you make that happen. Uh, um, that's supposed to be a bit mad and anarchic. How difficult is it to set that tone and to follow? You know, you saw a cameraman there. Like, how yeah, well, make that happen? Well, like all good comedy, um, uh, it, it's supposed to look completely anarchic, but actually it is rehearsed very well because uh, we make that in a really small uh, studio. Well, it, was at, it really was a shed outside the Apollo and Hammersmith. Um, and the whole studio is about half the size of this room uh, with about the same ceiling height. Um, so to get all of those shots in the right places that looks completely mad and anarchic, but it has to be planned really carefully. And we do rehearse it um, uh, every day. I mean, just looking at that comeback, it's always such a fun week. We have do six one-hour live shows um, over a week period uh, to coincide with the uh, coming off air, the switch over from the main show. Um, and, um, uh, but it does also completely go left field. It goes off. Uh, people do crazy things when they're not expected to. And uh, as Richard says, you've just got to go with it and, uh, until it comes back onto where you expect it to be, where you hope it does. Um, so it's, just, it's a lot of fun, but um, again, just experience kicks in. Um, 
you've got to try and be ahead of the game all the time on this. You've got to know what's coming up next. And if it doesn't, then you've got to have contingency in place so that you cover it. And Stephen's so deadpan with a lot of them at, at the sort of auditions. So are you, do you have to kind of keep a straight face behind the camera? Stephen, Stephen's brilliant. I mean, I, I think he's, um, yeah, he's a genius, comedy genius. Um, and he's so quick. His mind is running so quickly. And uh, when they have live phone-ins, uh, how he can turn something that actually could be quite misconstrued or into just fun, constantly keeping that energy going. Uh, it's a great show to work It's, it's on. interesting as well, because when you do a lot of live stuff, uh, with, with Stephen, particularly we do um, Saturday Night Takeaway, they don't want to rehearse it. They, they have to rehearse it. Mm. But they don't really want to rehearse it, because what they want to do is to come to it feeling like it's just happened. And he is a, a master of being able to do two or three rehearsals of it in, through the day, and then when you come to it, it's not quite as it's been, but it's, it's really fresh. Yeah, it's really fresh, yeah. Brilliant. yeah. Brilliant. He's, 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 he's and master. Saturday night takeaways, they might be abseiling down a TV centre, they might be doing anything. I mean, you've just got to roll with the punches on, on that Well, it's, it's exactly as the boys have been saying, you know, that it's, it's, it is a scripted show, mm. you know. They know where they're going to be, the cameras know where they're going to be. It does slightly go off piece because it's live, that part of the joy of people watching it at home is that it will slightly uh, ebb and flow, but but it's very controlled and they they're professionals. They write, you know they know what they're doing, and we are all all the people in that room know how it should happen, and it, and it happens week on week in that way. It's, it's not it's not a mistake. You know it never happens as a mistake. There are some producers and directors that feel that to create exciting television they need to be disorganised and chaotic. You don't need to be that. You need to be able to control the situation and organise to create that on-screen chaos. It looks chaotic. Mm. It looks more chaotic than it really is. Mm. I think the biggest thing about any show is it's the planning and the prep. It's going into that studio knowing exactly what's going to happen, even if it doesn't. You know, it's the planning and prep is, I would think, one of the most important things in terms of production and directing. And contingency plans, I guess. Uh, well, you, you do have contingencies, but sometimes you can't con uh, have contingency plans for everything. Mm. And sometimes you've just got to cope. And I think on a, on a, uh, on a Saturday night, a scripted, polished, rehearsed show, I would think that the director on the night isn't probably doing too much, but you're there in case something goes wrong. Mm. You're there in case you need to jump in and, uh, and change something because the lights have gone down or the actor or singer didn't appear at the right time. Mm. And you've just got to do those on the cuff. You can't, you can't plan for every eventuality. It's just impossible. Um, we, we used to do a thing called Noel's House Party. Mm. And um, one of the characters on that was Mr. Blobby. And although we knew roughly what he was going to do, the, 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 um, the guy inside it, Barry, was so unpredictable. We'd end up with stuff all over the floor, guns and everything all over the floor. So the cameras couldn't get to their next positions because there was stuff everywhere. And that was chaos, but it looked fantastic. And we did have plans as to how to get around things. So you do need an element of structure there so that you know where you're heading for. But it's, it's good for things to go wrong and some excitement to be injected into it. Do you hate Blobby? Is that what you're saying? No, I love Blobby. He was great. <laughs> Noel hated Blobby. I loved him because he used to smack Noel around the head quite hard <laughs> on the night. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about actors and singers, all those kind of performers. We talk of... Um, in fact, we haven't talked about actors. What I was going to say is we talked about singers and presenters. I want to talk about actors, because you worked on something called Sound of Music Live, which is an extremely ambitious project to bring the Sound of Music as a live performance out to an audience. Can we see a clip of it? Just one clip, please. So they say to you, we're going to bring Sound of Music to Life Live. There'll be seven child actors. There'll be a pillow fight. It's all going to go out like that. Are you freaking out at this point, or are you still very calm? Yes, yeah, so uh, this all came about, the, the Americans have done a few of these, um, and that's where the idea came from. And ITV decided to do Sound of Music, which is a great musical. And the first person they employed was uh, a drama director called Koki Gidroik. Um, uh, she's quite well known in, in drama, single camera. So she was there to sort of have a, the vision of it uh, in terms of uh, looking after the actors and, uh, you know, uh, with her designer, the, the look of the sets and everything else. So, very much a, a big creative side. And, and my job really was to, to try and make it work as a live multi-camera shoot. Uh, and it was quite unique, uh, obviously, never been tried over here before. And there were, there were lots of problems. 
because we had to, we couldn't find a studio big enough to have all the sets in, so we had to use three different studios at three mills, of which one was across the road. So sometimes the actors would finish a scene and have to run across the road, change their wigs and costumes ready for ah. the next scene. And it was all very well, you know, worked out uh, logistically by quite a big team. Uh, they, they, I think we had uh, two months of outside rehearsals where Koki worked with the actors, putting them in, in, you know, in, into shape. And then I think we had three days in the studios off camera just to do the choreography, the singing, because everything was live. Uh, and then I think we had nine days on camera, uh, but it, we needed it. And Nigel did it as well, because it was such a huge... And, you know, not everything worked straight away, and it was a, it was a, a very sort of... It seemed like a slow process because there were so many elements to take into consideration. Uh, but we got there in the end, and I think, you know, everybody on it worked... And, and I think everybody was nervous. The crew, you know, people don't normally get nervous to do something like that. And when you work for ITV, you've got to hit the ad breaks on time. Otherwise, they cut off you, because it's all about the money. It's not about the show. Um, so, you know, that had to all be worked out carefully. And when you're doing a live drama, you can't really predict, is it going to be 10 seconds or uh, under or over? So that was quite hard. But uh, everyone did a, a fantastic uh, job, on, and, and I was, I'm extremely proud of it, although it did have its moments getting there. But I think, um, uh, I, I think, you know, I was really proud of it. And, uh, you know, it'd be lovely to do more, but they've decided not to at the moment. The thing about that scene was that set was built incredibly solidly. There was scaffold all around the back of it. It was built as a film set, not as television sets that we, we're used to. So it's very restrictive for the cameras in that scene. Also, there was so much action in that scene with children going into wardrobes and being revealed. It was a very, very difficult scene for yeah, Richard to, to, to script. I think you, can, you notice, I, I, sorry, just to interrupt, I think that's what I was thinking when I was watching it, it's, there's a lot of the same shots appearing because cameras could only go in about three places because the way the, the set had been built, which worked for the fill and the look of it, but it wasn't necessarily multi-camera friendly, that particular set. The others were, and, and I think it, it could have been a bit more exciting if we could have got a bit more movement on the cameras, but it was that's impossible. Probably quite a, I mean, that's a collaborative thing that, mm. as an LE designer, you know, I work very closely with people like Richard, uh, because I, it's not about only how the action of the, the show happens, but it's also how the action of the cameras happen. And if you can't get the shot, then I don't see the set. I'm obviously all about seeing the sets and the wide shot, but you know, ultimately, it's a, it's a very much a marriage and a dovetail. And when you look at shows, as you were saying about that, you know, a theatre set is a completely different beast. You know, you're not looking at it through a camera lens on a theatre; you're looking at it through a vision, through your, through your eyes. Um, and and it's a very different skill. And uh, you know, it, it's an interesting crossover. And all those sets were designed to shoot 360. Uh, you know, all the other ones you didn't see, and some of them we did, uh, just to just sort of make it a bit more drama-ish, really. And, you know, the, the, it was a drama set designer who, who designed and built a fantastic set, um, and I think it worked really well, along with the lighting. Uh, yeah, but that set was particularly small. Worth saying on the lighting front, I had nothing to do with it, but hats off to the people who did, because, uh, I mean, I, you always look at your own, your own craft when you're seeing somebody else's work, and to, to, I could hardly spot the lighting changes there, but there were a lot going on. I could tell how many lighting changes there were. And for the viewer, I don't know how many of you saw lighting, major lighting changes during that sequence, just to get the lighting right for the particular shots. Um, but it was all happening invisibly, and uh, something that actually Nigel said just before we came in, that if you notice our craft at home, we largely haven't done our job well. Um, if it's invisible to you, we probably have. Um, and that was certainly uh, a, good, a good demonstration of that. But for me, the hero heroine of that piece was Hilary Briegel, who vision mixed it. So on the rehearsals, Hilary was making notes as to which cameras to cut to, because there were so many little actions, and if you're late to a shot, that action's already happened, and you're not going to see that at home. And Hilary, I remember her, because I, I wasn't involved in that scene, I was in the Abbey doing... He's having to move my feet it's up, talking nuns. to the nuns at the time. <laughs> um, and so I, I watched the rehearsals for that scene, and Hilary really had a struggle during rehearsals to get all those moments in. And Richard was saying, oh, we've, we, we just missed out that time. But on the night, 
Hillary was absolutely spot on on every single cut. And I think you could have gone into an edit for a week and you would not have come out with a better result than Hillary achieved live on ITV that night. Fantastic. And, and it was a unique project, but it's becoming a more common thing. Soaps are doing live episodes. It's going to be a live episode of Inside Number Nine. Does that, is that exciting for you guys, or do you think... Oh, well, the it? difference with soaps, if I can just yeah, point out, of course. of course, it's the same actors working on the same sets every mm. week, which is a big difference f f to what we did. Yeah. You know, uh, I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But do you think that's, that's exciting to work on those kind of things, or do, or, or do you there's, there's always a buzz, but you need to go and ask the producers, why mm. are you doing it? Is it for the publicity for your, for your show? Is there a reason that you are making a, a live episode? If it's like the 30th anniversary or something, then, mm. then yes. But are you just doing it for effect? A lot of people thought that was recorded. Mm. Uh, because it went so well. Mm. You know, there, there was a couple of little mistakes. I think one of the kids fell down during it but it was covered quite well by the, the lead actress. Um, and a couple of other, you saw the odd little camera occasionally. But uh, yeah, most people thought it was recorded. And so then you have to ask yourself the question, well, why did we do it live? <laughs> but I'm glad we did, because it's uh, such an opportunity to try something different. Well, it's funny that because, you know, we, we, you look at something like Strictly that's done, you know, for 13 weeks a year, it's a live show every Saturday night. It very rarely goes wrong, you know, and you know, the, the musicians, the, the director, the, the lighting, you know, the props, everything happens and you don't realize that it's actually happening in front of your eyes, you know, there and then. Um, but it does give it something that's different to it being pre-recorded. It does give it a sort of sense of, um, I don't know, jeopardy maybe is the wrong word, but there's a sense of excitement and, it, and what you see is what you get. And you, I don't think you can ever really replace that. When you do a live show, particularly if you work on one, but I also think when you watch it at home, you get that sense of it happening in the moment. And that in-the-moment thing is really special. I think one of the reasons a lot of live television came back was because of phone voting. It's a double whammy. You can get interaction with your audience, instant interaction with the audience, but also you get a revenue stream coming in. So that's why a lot of live television came back. When I first started, there was a lot of live television. That's 40 years ago I started. And there was lots of live television then because it was, wasn't so easy to edit and it was just a lot easier to do lots of the shows live. Then that, we went through a period where there wasn't that much live television apart from lots of kids' stuff like going live and, and things. But then live Saturday night television came back because of the advent of phone voting and the, and the, the, want, the needs to get interactivity with the audience. Well, I, I've got zillions more questions for you, but I think it's probably time that I let everyone else ask some questions. So please put your hands up. Don't be shy. Um, and let me know what you'd like to ask. Yes, this gentleman over here. Ca uh, microphone is coming. Thank you. Um, just a question for all of you. Do you sometimes get a little frustrated by the amount of cutting that you see sometimes within live shows? Often I, I, I tend to think that people forget that the people who are watching it live have one view. And when you're at a theater, you have one view, and sometimes the excitement of seeing someone dancing is quite good from a single shot. It doesn't need eight different angles. And often with live television, I think that technology's allowed more cameras, more angles, more movement, where often it, it maybe doesn't need some. Uh, no, I think it's a good point, and I sort of agree that sometimes things, including myself at times, can be overcut, and I think that can ruin the enjoyment of people watching on telly. I think sometimes it can enhance the performance as well. I'm not just talking about strictly, it could be music. Um, but I think there's definitely, uh, I think uh, there's definitely room for less cutting on certain things and see what you're supposed to be looking at. Um, so, I, so I do agree, and I'm probably guilty of overcutting at times, but I'm very conscious of not overcutting as well. I like to stick on a performance if they're singing for a bit you know, rather than just keep cutting away. But you have to sort of judge it. If you're, if you're doing sort of Harry Styles and you're doing 14 numbers, you've got to try and make it look a bit different. And it just depends what the music is. If it's a slow number, then obviously the cut rate is lower. I think with, with something like Strictly and, and Nigel and I, we do the, the version in Ireland. Um, you know, I'm very conscious when I'm directing that show is that uh, one, I like to keep the feet in because it's all about the dancing. And sometimes, you know, I have done a couple of numbers where it's just one shot for the whole thing on the Steadicam, and it works really well, but it has to be the right number. 
Um, and some of the numbers and the choreography on some of the numbers is a little bit, dare I say, it, boring. So you've got to beef it up a bit to make it a bit more interesting. Maybe I'm doing it just for myself. I don't know. <laughs> but I do agree with you, Nigel. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think that the, the, um, the shot rate on Dancing with the Stars in Ireland is slightly slower than Strictly. And um, I think it allows you to see what's going on. But sometimes if you're worried about the content, you want to up the shot rate just potentially to, yeah, to make no, it look exciting and, and, and be... Yeah, certainly with the dancing on Strictly, we tend to find that the worst dancers have more props, uh, yeah. more lighting changes, yeah. uh, more cuts, and, and it's done in order for you to enjoy it at home better because seeing them in a bare state is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually a big compliment to a couple on Strictly if it's just a... Yeah, and Richard's completely right. Sometimes if you can do a lingering um, steady cam shot where you follow it around and, you know, you can stay on it for, you know, I don't know, a, a number of uh, seconds, it's lovely, you know. And I don't know where the, the cut comes from, whether it's through commercials that we see stuff now in, in our commercials industry that is so quick and pacey, music videos, that, uh, that has made people want to jump cut stuff more. But... I agree with, with Richard, the, the longer we can stay on stuff and the less we chop and change, I think visually it looks nicer. I think I, producers are sometimes, sorry, I think producers are sometimes worried about the audience's attention span and if they're not constantly moving on quickly, that people are going to get bored. But I think everybody is, if they're, if they're interested in the subject, that they are going to stick with it and enjoy it. There was a, there was a lovely example on that Harry Styles of the, um, of the uh, Steadicam going round him. And uh, what was interesting from my point of view is watching the lighting changes so that he was always keyed from upstage so you didn't get the shadow of the camera going past because that camera must have been pretty close to him. Um, and that was beautifully choreographed. And I think I totally agree. I think that um, it's much better to keep on the you know, shots for a long time if you can. But then, you know, it's horses for courses. Something Sometimes you just need to get that energy in. Um, so... Uh, but it's, I think it's a very valid point. Yeah. I think there was, uh, on uh, one of the Harry Styles numbers, I think it was for the American version, uh, I think, uh, if I remember rightly, I, I did the whole number on about five or six shots. Most of it was on the technocrane. Because to me, that particular song was just about him and his performance and nothing else, really. So, you know, at times it really works. Fantastic. Another question? Yes, gentlemen here. Um, Mike's just come up. <laughs> Um, hi, um, maybe there was um, not enough chairs, but I wanted to ask, um, where does the sound person come in to all of this? And which of you works the most closely with the sound designer? I, I can answer that. I did ask quite a few sound people, and all the people I know uh, were not available. So the, the Very big lives. Yeah. They, they couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, sound is all important. It's a, it's a good point, because we haven't really talked about sound. But without sound, you know, it, it creates so much atmosphere, whatever it is you're doing, you know. I think that sometimes one, it gets forgotten. You're the one concert showed that, the, the clip they showed, the sound on that was incredibly brilliant, because you picked up you felt like you were part of it. So sound is, it, it's all dovetailed together. All of it's dovetailed together. Yes, they, they, they come on board at the same time as, as lighting, well, maybe a little bit after lighting and design, because of course, depending on what show you're doing, you know, that they have, they have to work out how they're gonna mic people hear the audience, uh, you know, if there's a band on. So, that, yeah, sound is a, a... They have a, an early input as well, um, and especially on the, these huge big shows like X Factor Strictly. I mean, there's a lot of sound gear on them. And you're also looking at sound not only for the studio audience, but the audience at home. They're two, two different sort of things. So we're balancing the amount of studio sound that that is visual and seen. For me, as a set designer, trying to hide seeing huge speakers everywhere with the, the audience hearing everything. We, we find it when we go to Blackpool, you know, Blackpool's a very tricky venue, 3,000 people, that they want to get sound everywhere. We want to try and not see it. But also, it's a completely different mix to the mix that they get at home. So they are totally crucial to everything. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, ladies at the back. Uh, there's, a, there's an increasing appetite in Factual to um, try and um, make some of those spaces live now. So um, ITV recently did A&E live, and that's 
taking cameras into a space that's not set up for cameras at all. And I just wonder what your thoughts are on what we in Factual can learn from the work you do in your genre when we're trying to make our spaces live. So when we go to, to we're strictly going to Blackpool, that is a, a lot, obviously a real venue. But we transform, what you see on camera is not what that venue looks like. Because if you saw it on camera, as it is naked, you would want to be there. It's, it's, it, it requires a huge amount of lighting and a huge amount of uh, uh, sort of graphic technical input into making it feel a showbiz thing. What you're talking about in factual, they're not really showbiz shows, so they're slightly different in terms of thing. But there'll be a huge amount of lighting, I would have thought, involved in that, Will. I, I don't know. Yes, they the Will. I mean, um, if you go into, say, a hospital, um, the, the biggest problem for a, for a lighting point of view is the height of ceilings. Um, uh, in entertainment shows, we do, we do quite a lot of, of uh, hard lighting um, uh, as opposed to you know, soft, which we'd, you'd probably use on, on your, um, your recordings in the hospital. Uh, the soft lighting means that you can move around in it um, without too many dips. Uh, you can get fairly constant luminance over a big area um, and shoot from a lot of angles like that. But the bad thing about it is that it goes all over your walls and it destroys any sense of depth. So something that um, if I go into a, a venue on a, on a, um, a shoot in a, in a location, uh, I'm trying to create some depth. So keeping the walls dark behind, but lighting uh, the contestants or the performers uh, separately to that and that will allow me then to put color on the walls without it washing out um, and becoming um, too desaturated um, so it's there's a big difference between the techniques of hard lighting and soft lighting uh, and largely because of uh, height of ceilings and time scales uh, it, it, soft lighting is the only way to do it but if you can um, get a hard lighting rig in there and with the people with the skills to be able to, to pull it off, then that will improve the quality of your... I think what you find, actually, you know, if you look at Ellie and drama, you look at something like Wolf Hall that was lit by candles and you, incredibly beautifully lit. In, in, if you're looking at a reality thing on, on television, generally it looks pretty flat. You know, if you get Big Brother, it, it always has a, a similarity of lighting, which is blanket, which is exactly what Will's saying. Where if you looked at that Harry Styles performance, there was a beautiful shot where his face was completely in darkness on one side and completely lit on the other side. And that depth of shot, you can't, you, we always want to achieve it, in fact, uh, when you're doing reality. We've done, you know, I've done loads of, you know, Big Brother and stuff. We always wanted to make it feel much more drama like. The problem is when you then have conversations, when people go into a corner and have a conversation, the producers say, we can't hear, we can't see what they're saying. We can't hear them. We can hear them, but we can't see them. And therefore, they're going, we'll make the lighting light. And then you say, well, that will that'll make it feel flat. And they say, well, I don't care. I want to see the conversation. So, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's a very different aspect between a drama-lit thing and an Ellie-lit thing and a, and a factoriality lit thing. They're very different. Fantastic. Hi, um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned before the, that live to me kind of, there was a bigger trend because of social media. I wanted to ask you, is there like anything else that kind of influences your work that social media is now more a big part of being able to interact with live TV? How, is there any other, are there any other points on how it kind of influences your work? Shopwise, well, for example. Certainly, but I think Strictly um, and Dancing with the Stars in Ireland has got a big social media um, there's, there's, there's teams doing Facebook Lives the, the whole time that, that, that are dedicated to the social media platforms, and that was, that was never the case. But they know to get to people now, and particularly to get to a younger audience, which is what they're really keen about, especially with Joe Sugg, um, they, 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 they need to be, have a big presence on these platforms. And so we've gone beyond just the phone voting and people phoning in to, 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 to shows. Um, they've, they've got to have a big presence on. Social I think media. if you notice, actually, now when they do the edit versions of the conversations with the celebrity and the pro afterwards, a lot of it's shot or looks like it's shot on their mobile, and their stuff that's doing in their dance competition is shot on their mobile. So a lot of that stuff is now filtering in. You know, there was a brilliant, uh, I think it was Channel 4 comedy show called Hang Ups, 
which was shot as a POV through the lens. All of that is actually filtering in, I think, isn't it, a little bit. I mean, not necessarily on your main um, camera positions on a big show in studio, but certainly in a lot of the VT stuff, it, it's, all, it's all definitely... Uh, well, even Doctor Who the other day started as a YouTube. There you go. The opening and end of Doctor oh. Who was, was, was a YouTube conversation, a blog. A rather nice little um, anecdote from um, Brit Scott Talon this year, but um, between acts... Um, and the, the auditions go on forever and ever, and they, they just wheel out so many acts, most of which you don't see. Um, but between acts, the judges were sitting there talking amongst themselves, and uh, Amanda Holden had her mobile, and she was on Facebook Live, and she was saying, uh, hello, say hello to the audience and everything, and Simon Cowell was just sitting there completely uninterested. Uh, and Simon then says, how many people are actually watching that? And she said, uh, at the moment, 400,000. And Simon Cowell goes, hello, hello. <laughs> sort of, so yes, it's making an impact. Fantastic. I think there was a question. Um, hello there. Uh, just as like a young person who's just started to study television production, what tips would you give to young people who want to get their foot into the industry and um, just like find their way? Great question. Be positive. Take any job. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this question comes up a lot about, you know, um, not any, any tips, but how do you get into it, you know? And it's a very hard question to answer these days because there's no route. I was very fortunate, like a few of these guys, you know, I started my career at the BBC when, you know, you could have a career at the BBC and you could move between departments. And even if you didn't go into another department, you could see what they were doing, and that's what's lacking these days. It's that opportunity to see other people at work and train and, and sort of try and work out what you want to do and then try and work a way into getting there. Because I think, to, especially in directing, I don't know how new directors really come up anymore. Um, I, there are a few, and some of them come from those sort of, uh, you know, directing the house and Big Brother, and then, you know, they'll get another three or four camera, smaller show on ITV2, and then eventually they might get into mainstream. But it's very hard, and there's no direct route. And tip-wise, yeah, it's just be positive and keep trying, really. And uh, a lot of people come these days from being a runner. You know, that seems to be the biggest, um, cheapest way from production point of view. Obviously. I think also, you know, if you love it and you love television, watch a lot of television and watch what you like, work out what you like, work out who's making what you like, watch the credits and approach them. Because that's, you know, ultimately that... Ultimately, you need to have a background in or some sort of knowledge about what you want to turn up to something and go, I want to work in television, I quite like it. And what, what do you like? Well, I don't know, I'm not sure. It's never going to get you anywhere. But if you go, well, I love this bit, and I love that, I love, you know, do you like drama? Do you like, like that entertainment? Do you like factual? Do you like, what, what part of it do you want to get into? Look at that part that you want to get into. Make notes about who makes it and, and try and approach them. I think that's probably... At one point on Pointless, we were regularly getting requests for people to come and shadow the crew just for a day to see what went on just to get in the studio. And I think, as Patrick says, look at the credits. If you see something you like, just try emailing. You might get a response. You might not. People, people are busy. But on Pointless, we certainly try to give people that asked a chance just to come into the studio for, for a day or to see... We, we record four shows a day, so they could come and see in a couple of shows... Um, and we could just explain what the cameras do and how it worked, and they could just listen to a bit of talk back and understand what went on. But it, you're going to have to be very persistent, and good luck to you all. And I was just one other thing. I, I just be very interested in everybody else's jobs, all the other crafts. Don't just concentrate on what you want to do, because if you do end up being a director, the more you know about everybody else's role, the easier your job will be. I think that goes, actually, to be honest, I think that goes across the board. You know, I think if you want to work uh, and be... Be, be good at what you do, you have to completely understand everybody's other's job. Otherwise, you can't do your job properly because you don't understand what issues they're facing and what you need to plan for for them. And uh, just to say, it can be done as well. Um, a few years ago, well, quite many years ago, um, we were working on a show and uh, a young guy um, emailed um, my colleague, Mark Kenyon, and said, uh, I'm still at school. Can I come along and, and see what you do? And he turned up, and he turned up, and he turned up. And uh, to start, we, we uh, you know, we really like to encourage young people. Um, and uh, we gave him every help, help we could. Uh, and then after a while, 
he got a bit boring, and so we thought, oh, well, let's see whether this guy really wants to, to get there. So we gave him a bit of a hard time, but he kept turning up, and he kept unlocking the doors for us before we got to venues and having a cup of coffee waiting for us. And very gradually, we gave him jobs to do, and then he started to program lighting, and he's now, uh, he programs Strictly Come Dancing and is the best programmer in the industry. Uh, and he's absolutely brilliant, uh, David Bishop. So um, it can be done, definitely. Fantastic. Good answer. <laughs> Thank you for your question. Thank you to Harman Professional Solutions for sponsoring the event. Thank you to you guys for sharing all of your insights and experience. There are drinks afterwards, so enjoy, come and chat. Thank you very much. Thank you.